Welcome to Bleed TV, the podcast of the best shows on TV, and I'm Cash. And I'm Larissa. Whoa, who is that? (laughs) Well, uh, I'm a new contributor here on this awesome podcast. I'm a filmmaker down in Austin, Texas, and I really, really love this show, so I wanted to uh, get on here and talk about it today. Wanted to talk about it. Well, I feel like there's a reason why we brought you on here, besides being awesome and amazing. It's because we're doing a show that a lot of viewers wanted, and Orange is the New Black. And it would have felt a little wrong having three guys sitting around talking about a women's prison. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like you might need a, a bit of a female perspective when you're talking about a cast that's about 80% women, which is part of the reason that I love it and also that you know I feel like they really came back strong this season with some really solid writing and plot lines and some really really poignant social commentary so uh, I really like the direction they took it in alrighty well before we get into that you know this is another Netflix show and as y'all know these binge watching shows are a little bit more difficult to do and so we're going to try to do our best with a three pod three episode little breakdown so we're starting off with episodes one through three, Work That Body For Me, Power Suit, and Don't Say Anything. The one and three, Work That Body For Me, and Don't Say Anything, was directed by Andrew McCarthy, while the uh, second episode, you know who that was directed by? Uh, Constantine Macris. You just told me, I'm so embarrassed. Ah, it happens. I think you would remember your fellow directors, but, you know. <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of us. Fortunately, not a lot of female ones of us, but that's a different argument altogether. Well, maybe we'll get you on there by season seven. That would be that would be the best. All right. So from these first three episodes, how? Well, the, yet again, let's start off with saying I've only seen the first three episodes so far. I have seen the entire season. So those of you who are you know binge watch queens and kings with me know uh how this ends and where the twists and turns lay and uh i'm gonna have a really hard time not revealing anything but i'm gonna do my best (laughs) all right so in the first three episodes how do you feel the show stacking up with the other seasons well the magic of the first season i think was based upon the fact that it was so revolutionary number one you know you have a predominantly female cast it's in prison which is very interesting to people You have a lot of, uh, you know, different uh, characters of different races. And then the second two seasons, they kind of fall flat a little bit. I feel like the second season, they were trying to integrate a bunch of different characters, and they hadn't found their flow, though I do appreciate that storytelling tactic because I hate Piper. We'll get there. Um, And the third season was just kind of little, just kind of went on and didn't affect me. But uh, this one, I feel like this season had a lot to say. It's probably my favorite season so far, if I'm being honest. The writing really struck me. There were a lot of times where uh, so a character would say a line, I had to stop it and just go, ooh, <laughs> I got to pay homage to that line right now. Writing gods, wow. So, you know, that's, that's all I can really ask for in a show, to have those kinds of moments. So I really enjoyed it. 
I would say that these first three episodes are probably my second set of favorite first three episodes. Obviously, the first season was the best, but the way that we've come to know a lot of these characters and get a lot of their backgrounds, are it's really enhancing it for me. Like, characters that I used to hate, I now love. And characters that I used to love, I'm like, eh, let's start working you off the show now. That's so interesting. I was thinking the exact same thing. Like, for example, like, Pensatucky. Yeah. Like, the worst. Terrible. Um, Worst. But anytime I see her background story, like her flashbacks, I love. Yeah. Absolutely love. And I have so much compassion for her now for what went on with the guard in the previous seasons. Coats. Yes. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I, I think there, there's a line. It happens in a later episode. It doesn't reveal anything. But there's a line where Alex Voss, I believe, is the character. It might have been Nikki. I think it's actually Nikki. I might be wrong. But she looks at her and she says, I think you're the only person I've ever met that's better for having gone to prison. Yeah. And so I think that that's very uh, poignant And uh, when, when dealing with, you know, Pensatucky because she was so strong in her beliefs of, you know, kind of racism and, you know, uh, considering other people outsiders to her circle, and she was right, 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 and her kind of whole worldview has been thrown into flux, and throughout this season you kind of see her uh be a lot more forgiving which is interesting i don't know if you ever watched the show uh, justified we, we talk about it we, we compare a lot of shows to it on the podcast but uh she's kind of like the main villain boyd crowder like when he because he went in as like aryan rays you know white people this and that and i mean he stayed like that throughout it i mean he's in kentucky you know up in the mountains but he started accepting other races and cultures after he got out of prison and seeing all the different things. And so like, that revelation kind of hits home with it. So it's kind of like a, a similar vibe moving into this show. And, you know, it, it's it's always been interesting that in the other seasons, obviously, you know, the inmates uh, split off into racial groups a lot of the time, into their families. And, uh, but it had, like, you know, there's been some tension between them. But it, it hasn't been as racially charged as it is this season. Yeah, like the race has never been... It's always been an issue, but it's never been an issue in the, the show. Issue. Yeah, like there's always been a lot of other things. You know, I mean, yeah, they stick together, you know. At one point, it's uh, Red's crew running the kitchen, and then the that. Latinas came over and started running the kitchen, and then the black people are always in maintenance and stuff, moving this and that. So, I mean, yeah, everyone's broken up, but it, like we said, it's never been the issue. And, like, in the first three episodes, we start seeing with all the massive influx of Latinas, Mexicans, Puerto Ricans, and everything, that they have, Dominicans, they have taken over this prison. But before we jump into that, we start off, you know, coming back right at the end of season three, someone left the gate open. And so everyone goes running into the water and stuff, and we come back, and we're still at the same exact point. Yeah. And, I mean, do you think it's difficult to film something like that? Like, I mean, you had such a big break, and then you just come right back into it so fluid? Well, um, I actually thought about that. Uh, Continuity, uh, once again, a little bit of background on me. Most of the work that I do on set is having to do with continuity, so those are the things I kind of notice. Uh... The way they make things easier for themselves is you notice at the end of season three, there were a lot of shots of them kind of in the water and, you know, all those kind of hard shots. And yeah, like she gets baptized and everything. and Yes, which is 
so fun. Loved it. <laughs> the whole thing with Cindy becoming Jewish. I gotta say, she has really stepped it up for me. Like she has, she was one of the people that I hated at first, and like and now I've started to love her comedy. Yeah, me too. Like she's she's a solid, you know, supporting character now. But um, with with the endings, like coming back to the beginning of the season, you notice most of the shots are people running through the fence, are people running through the trees, are distant shots of them in the water. Because that's how they come back and do it, so they don't have to match specifically, like, how was this person wet? What did they do over here? Like, that kind of thing. Okay. So, you know, I think that's kind of how they uh, um, match those together so well. Interesting. I mean, that's something that I noticed, but it didn't really click in my head of why they were doing it that way. And it was so clever because, you know, they took that storyline of Suzanne and Maureen, who's Super oh, busy. Marine. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I thought, like, I always got a little creeped out whenever I had crazy eyes and stuff, you know, but only, like, in the first season. And crazy then, eyes is so grown on me. I love her so much. But Marine, man, that is, that is something completely different that, like, yeah. she sends chills down my back every time I see her. Well, she's, like, an ominous crazy, whereas, you know, when, especially later on, you learn a little bit more about Suzanne that I won't reveal, but she's harmless. Yeah. So, like, when, when she inflicts violence in any aspect, verbally, physically, it's because she was pushed to the level of mental break. She is not that way on her own. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, that seems to fit her character, definitely. Yeah. Even though she can deliver some heinous violence. Yes, she can. But, but I mean, I can definitely see Maureen going on a killing spree right here in the prison. Like, if she gets a shiv, it's all over. Especially when you have that scene with uh, Caputo where he looks at her file. Yeah. And all you see is, like, surprise. And she <laughs> says something like, you know, you got to keep things interesting. And she was so calm about it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm interested to see where things go with her. I think she's going to be a pretty big breaking point in the show this season. I cannot confirm or deny, <laughs> but... Uh, she definitely has her part to play, that is for sure. But, I mean, since we're already on them, you know, we dive straight into her kind of kidnapping Crazy Eyes and convincing her to go into the forest and trying to make their lives there. I think that that, that uh, beginning storyline was so smart because it makes you focus so intently on the two of them that you're not focusing too hard on the prison break. Yeah. Which takes away from, like, again, it makes their jobs easier. And it also takes us right into what's going to be important this season. Yes, that awesome, cool thing happened, you know, in season three. But we're not about that anymore. So I thought that that was very smart. Uh, the, so I, I'm sad because we don't have space hump anymore. Oh. <laughs> like, the, the stories that she was creating and, like, the talks that it was creating within the prison and everything was just beautiful. But with, like, the influx of characters and people, I just don't think there's any way that we could have kept Space Hump. I don't think so either. It's just... <laughs> it's sad. the promo for season three and she had that line at the end when she was like, it's two people connecting with four other people and aliens. <laughs> <laughs> it was just... It was perfect. <laughs> It was definitely perfect. Yeah. But as we're running through the woods and everything, we see this house. And it's just kind of like, what? what is this house doing out here? And lo and behold, it becomes a massive thing. Yeah. That really bothered me that 
number one, the prison is like close enough to a house that they could run there in about five minutes, and also that no one lives in it. Well, we didn't know how long they were in the woods. Like, I mean, if everyone who listens to this pod knows I'm a big stickler for time. But, I yes. mean, it was definitely darker and everything within the woods. Like, we could tell that it slowly become nighttime by the time they found it. And okay. so... I'll, like, I'll sort of give you that, especially since, you know, they had already been in the cafeteria with all the people and just realized she'd gone probably an hour or so later. Yeah, like, she said it was close to five, but, I mean, she really has no way of knowing. They don't have a watch or anything. It's visibly darker. And so, but yeah, it might only be five minutes. But they did a good job of hiding, especially since it's the start of the new season. Like, we don't know what the time gap is. But also, just the whole randomly uninhabited house. But they were there for a reason. You know, that's where the old guards used to live. I mean, we'll just continue right with the houses and everything in the sense that the guards used to live in these houses because it was... How I didn't even put that together. Yeah. I, wow, I didn't put those houses, wow. Yeah, those houses are where the old guards used to live, and then they yeah. shut it down because the prison shrank. And so now that's why Caputo was able to be like, well, what if we do vets and we give them free housing because we already have the houses? And then we get the interesting relationship with him and, was it Lisa? Linda. Linda. Oh, my God. And I'm excited to see some Linda. She sucks. What? Well, I mean, she's she's a terrible human being, but... Okay, she's awesome at being terrible. Like, she is such a Linda, if you know what I mean. She's like, <laughs> like, you just know. Like, you meet a Deborah, and you just know the way that they're going to be. Yeah. She's such a Linda. I mean, she's great at her job, which is bad, because her job is to save as many pennies as possible without caring about human beings. Well, it's interesting because, you know, in the first three episodes, you kind of see this uh, beginning of her relationship with Caputo, and uh, later on, her presence in his life really becomes interesting because, uh, you know, we'll get to that, but it, it becomes his choice between whether or not he wants to be successful or whether or not he wants to care about the inmates, and you can obviously tell that she stands on the side of Successfulism and saving money. Yeah, well, I mean, before we jump too far ahead with what I want to say about Caputo, is he's definitely changed, but, I mean, he hasn't lost his compassion for the prisoners yet. And, I mean, I feel like he's going to be the best warden or inmate manager that, uh... You mean director of human activity? Director of human activity. Oh, that is such a great title. Oh, man. Oh, I want to say things, and I can't say things. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, just the meeting that they had where they were talking about everything, and he's like, yeah, you know, we'll hire the vets. And she's like, we get an even bigger discount if they're disabled. And he's just looking at her like, you want to, you know, that might affect their job. Oh, yeah, I guess if they're in a wheelchair, that they might not be able to do their job. And it's just like, come on. Like, how, how much can you just think about the bottom dollar? It gets pretty bad. Well, it, it really does, and I mean, that's one of the biggest issues we have right now in society is that business is, or prison is a business, and I mean, this show is doing a good job of explaining that even this early on in the season. Yes, it is, especially with, you know, like the double bunks, and, uh, y- you know, the fun stories 
that they have kind of showing the ways in which the prisoners are rubbing up against each other mm-hmm. underlies the bigger issue of overcrowding. Yeah. Like, you get the story of Red with the snoring, which I have never related to a side story more than that because the absolute rage I feel inside when someone is snoring too much. And then, you know, you get uh, the issues between Cindy and Abdullah, you know, having their whole thing about, you know, <laughs> Muslim versus Jewish. And <laughs> the floor is mine. The ceiling is yours. Exactly. And so. the, but it, it's, we still kind of really only see two people per thing. And you know, you said it was Cindy and Abdullah. You know, we don't see their bunk mates. And yeah. so, I mean, we have it in the first three episodes. You see them. You see them. Um, it's just you know they don't have yeah. the time. But you especially see it when uh, you have, like, Piper and Stephanie, and then <laughs> Red, and, uh, oh, I don't even know her name. I don't know, I don't even know if they mention it. But yeah, well, before, I, I just kind of want to finish off the uh, Caputo and Linda thing. Yeah. Uh, when he was talking to the um, guard they laid off the waiter, you know, we still see Caputo perfectly lay out compassion in an yeah. interesting way. But he also takes it back. He didn't. Because, he didn't take know, back the compassion or anything because he was like, "Look, you wronged me, and I'm not sorry for that." You know, but I am sorry that you did lose your job and everything in the way that it was. So I have to say that I actually really liked that scene with Caputo because it's the first time I feel he stood up for himself in a righteous way. Because you've seen him be vindictive before with the, you know, the... We've definitely seen him be vindictive. Yeah. But this was him truly being like, no, you walked out. I I don't feel bad about this. I'm sorry for you, but I feel that you made your bed and you should lie in it. Yeah. And he's like, I could have made that work. I could have made everything okay over time, but you weren't willing to stick it out for me. And like you said, now you've got to lie in the mess that you've made. But so here's the $20. It's not pity. You need it. Yeah. And I mean, I understand why they walked out because they had their benefits cut and their hours were cut in half and all those things suck. But they're obviously not doing any better. Like you see the former guards like sprinkled throughout the season and they're all doing terrible jobs. And I, and, and when I saw that, I thought it was interesting because I was like, I don't know if the show's supposed to tell me they got what they deserved or we're supposed to feel bad for them. I'm not sure how we're supposed to feel about the guards. Because, I mean, we built weird relations with them. Like, we saw them slightly out of the prison and everything. And we've seen a lot of them fired, a lot of them hired. And I'm, I don't know. Like, I don't really like the new guards that we have. Piscatella. Man. Can we talk about Piscatella? I do not like this guy at all. I mean, he's great at doing his job if he was, like, guarding the president, but just way too strict. Just, like, I don't know. I can't remember the last thing he did before you'd know about it. The last main scene I remember is when uh, Tasty... And Caputo are checking out the houses. And he's like, did did you just say we're on the same level? Is there in any shape, way, or form that you and me are equals? And she's just kind of laughing at it. I love Tasty. (laughs) 
No, she's really grown on me. But uh, the thing that's the thing that's interesting about Piscatella is uh, you grow to hate most of the new guards. Yeah. Because they're true sadists, and you'll you'll figure that out. They're they're bad guys. Um, some of them not not as much, but um, most of the new guys. Piscatella is very very uh, insidious because he co- he's very professional. Yeah. And he's respectful to a point, but he does not see the inmates as human beings. No. And that becomes... That's an issue. Yes. That becomes very, very apparent later in the season. Oh, in the very beginning, it's very, very apparent. He's not letting them eat or anything, and he's just like, y'all, y'all messed up. Y'all ran out. You know, this is, I guess it's kind of in the same lines of this is your bed, you have to lie in it. Like, but, there's basically a line later on where he says, you committed a crime, you put yourself in here, anything that happened, anything that happens to you in here, you deserve. Man, that's, yet again, savage. Yeah, savage is the word for Piscatella. Now, you can't, you kind of hate like him, because he's such a good villain. And he's not necessarily a villain, because... Well, not yet. Well... To me, yeah, he's not a villain. He's just very good at the job that he's given by people who want this reign as a business. Yes, and he was the true. perfect person. Like, I don't see that these are necessarily his views or anything. He's just, I'm here to do a job to the best of my ability. And he was given a flat rule book. And he has taken that as the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, and then you've got the fact that they're veterans. You know, well, I, we, ha- I, we haven't met the veterans yet. So, like, they're just now moving in, like, they're doing the Wi-Fi and stuff, still working on the houses. Right, you're right. Well, you will meet them soon. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like the veterans are going to be uh, very villain-esque, as you said. Yeah, mostly. Um, I can't wait till we get to this one scene with one of them later, but, you know, we'll get there, because, oh, it's so exciting. But, um... Yeah, no, Piscatella, he, at first, you kind of, you kind of like him, because he's, he's, he's so good at his job, and, and he's this big dude, and Yeah, he's stuff. a very massive human being compared to a lot of these inmates. Like, I mean, I don't know how big, he, how tall he is in real life, like, he is, uh, 50 years old, he's 6'4", and that shows. He's 50? Yeah. Damn, Piscatella! Looking good. Like, beard's not even all that gray or anything. Damn. It's like... Can I I just mention something random? Yes. In the first episode, they were so interested with us knowing Piscatella's name and us knowing Cucudio's name. (laughs) (laughs) Each of their names, like, 12 times. And just, like, the different ways they were saying Piscatella. Piscatelli? Piscatella. Then well, just, they didn't have a Piccatello was in there too because they didn't have an S for a while and he uh, oh man oh uh, it was great and just like the way like he'll just blow the air horn for anything yeah and he care. just zero just handing out earplugs and everything and then just like oh you don't want to listen well he think about it he came from oh Max like Max but Max men and so completely different environment yes completely different environment yes and i i think that's a big problem having him transfer down 
into a kind of minimal security prison. It is minimal security. They talk about that later. They actually kind of, um, you get some info about the prison that's a little more, uh, detail oriented and Mm -hmm. it's nice to know that stuff. Yeah, because I don't think we've ever really known that so far. I mean, I think we all knew it was a lax, minimal security prison, but it'll be nice to know exactly what it's labeled as, besides, you know, for-profit. But, uh, so I think we can just, what are you feeling, Alex? Roll right into Alex, or Piper, or... Oh, God, Piper. You just want to get it out of the way? She's a gangster. Yes, she is a gangster with an A. And she might be the absolute worst one that I've ever seen in my life. And I... Okay. Let me just say, she sucks so, so, so hard half of the season. And I hate to say it, but she wins me back. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see that. But right now, she is awful. (laughs) She doesn't... Like, she thinks that everyone is fearing her, and I mean, it's really kind of funny how she's like, oh, everyone's already heard, everyone's running away from me, you know, they heard what, I uh, sent her to Max, and all this stuff, but really, they're just out swimming in the pond, and no one knows what she did. Yeah. And, and then there's, you know, that, that uh, moment in the cafeteria where the new Dominicans ask, um, who runs it? Who ru- who's La Jefa? Yeah. And she says, Piper. <laughs> <laughs> and she's reading freaking Nick Hornby. <laughs> <laughs> Just the least thing that you could have ever expected. Yeah. And um, and like she doesn't believe her at first, and then Piper's able to have that weird scene with Red to where she owes her toast or something. Yeah, she's just—it's kind of like a like a normal exchange where she's like, "You owe me," you know, um, because earlier in the bunks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. threw her under the bus when she was like, you need to act tough. And so she act, tried to act tough to Stephanie, and, and Stephanie then, was not having it. And, and Red and, folded immediately. Yeah, to seem like the nice one. So she was like, you owe me toast. And then it just happened at one of those coincidental moments, you know, the perfect things. And she's like, okay, so she really does run this show. Yeah. And then, like, she kind of gives Piper a little leeway and stuff, and Piper lets it go straight to her head, and I'm just like, uh-oh. This isn't going to work out well for her. No, it, it definitely does not. And and it, it's interesting because... Um, I can't say it. No. Nope. Oh, no. We got to keep going. I can't say it. It's just... It's so good. It's so, so good because the show gives you exactly what you want and it makes you feel bad about it. Oh, Game of Thrones. Love exactly. it. Exactly. But, <laughs> I mean, she's running this the underground prison painting system like it's a massive cartel or something like the thing that's bothered me the entire time is she hasn't realized that she has zero muscle and i mean red yeah. kind of tells her about it and she doesn't really get any muscle you know she well, has I, mean. I mean she's worthless in the sense of muscle i mean yeah she's big but i mean she has no interest in fighting she's going to do terrible in a fight like her knees, bad knees. yeah and but, I mean, even Stephanie doesn't respect her. Like, she can't order her around or anything. Stephanie's just like, I'll swat you and sit on you, and this is done. Yeah, and it definitely uh, later on proves that all the steps that Piper takes to kind of protect herself kind of blow up in her face. 
Oh, I, I'm excited to see that. Yeah. So, um... And, I mean, I think that's about all needs to be done about Piper in the first three episodes, oddly enough. Oh, I hate her so Well, much. everyone starts to quit on her. And for exactly. reasons I couldn't really quite understand. Well, they quit on her... Um, the first two women quit on her because they're nervous about the new Max guards. And yeah. And how that there's more eyes on them. And... I'm not sure if we've gotten to that yet, but uh, Maritza and Marisol quit on her later. Yeah, and she tries to bribe them back with Ovaltine. Yeah, but that's because it's it, that's a racial thing. That's because the Dominicans realize that they're the majority, which is a whole thing that I am excited to get into. Yes, yes. But um, yeah, so she she starts to lose her support system, and in and uh, the show did a really good job of making like so they know we haven't liked her like they're smart orange is a new black knows that season two and three did nothing for our love of piper no so they're putting her at her most piperiness at the beginning of this season so that they can tear it down and make her into an actual character again and just kind of rebuild her yes and they do a very good job i have to actually give them kudos they did a good job okay i'm excited to see where she goes because i mean she is kind of Exactly where she was right when she started. Privileged again. Yeah. You should be excited for episode six. <laughs> I so will definitely be keeping a lookout for it. Next time we do this podcast. There will be excitement. You're going to be coming in like, oh my god, what just happened? <laughs> but okay, and then we have Alex and... Oh, what's her name? The crazy... Lolly. Lolly. And Frida, later. Yes, and Frida is great. She's so great. You never murdered anyone before? <laughs> it's so much easier to dig six one-foot holes instead of one six-foot hole. It's like, well, it's, yeah. I mean, yeah. But we, we gotta get the body to that part. Yeah, I'm not doing it. Oh, man. I just... And, okay. Lolly, number one. She looks like Ellen DeGeneres. Have you ever thought about that? Oh, yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> but I love Lolly. Lolly, yeah, Lolly's an interesting character because she is, uh, her and, and uh, Suzanne, are, in different ways. Are similar. Yes, they show how people with true mental disability kind of slip through the cracks and just kind of get put in with everyone else. But they also shouldn't go to Psych because Psych is, you know, where they pretty much send prisoners to die. Like, they don't rehabilitate really no so um there's it really shows that there's no good place for them because you you realize you know these women are too you know mentally unstable to be probably among all these other people but there's nothing better for them yeah like this is this is they're getting the structure that they need but they're not getting the help that they need and lolly's very interesting because she is she's schizophrenic and, but she's schizophrenic in a very modern way, because, like, who is she afraid of? The NSA. Paranoid. Super paranoid. Yeah. Information. Like, when the droid, uh, the drone, droid, <laughs> when the uh, drone flies over the garden, and it's really just taking pictures of Judy King, which we'll get there. Um, she, she freaks thinks, out that they, they found the body, we've got to move them, there's so much yeah. going on, oh my god, we're all about to get Max, like, we're done. Yeah, it's over, like... But the thing is that she thinks everyone's trying to kill her, mm-hmm. her specifically. 
And um, and that's why, it, you know, I actually thought about that. When she comes in and saves Alex, I was like, oh, Alex, you're not actually saved. Because I... I oh, you like, thought she was going to kill Alex. Well, no, I knew that she would... I had this feeling that... No, I'm not saying this happens or doesn't happen. That she was going to crack it and tell someone. Yeah. And as soon as I saw that it was Lolly saving her, I was like, Lolly's not going to be able to handle this. And, and that, that drone happened. showed, like, she is not capable of handling this. Handling this. Although, Freda might have been able to kind of offset that a little bit by saying that she moved the body, there's nothing to worry about, so Lolly doesn't know where this body is. Well, and then right after that, like, you think you're safe, but then Frida says, like, we're going to have to kill her. Well, I mean, uh, I'm not sure if she meant it or not. Like, I mean, she said it in the kind of shake your shoulder off kind of way. It's like, we're going to have to kill her. It's like, you're smiling. I don't know if you mean that. Yeah, and so, like, I I don't know if she's really wanting to kill her or not. I I was leaning towards no. It was kind of like an offhanded joke. That's how I took it. <laughs> but and so do we think that Alex is in the clear now I mean she had to take the photos and of course he asked that to see the funny. like yeah, let me see your boobs <laughs> and I was like yeah of course and like, I had a feeling that there was going to be a shot or something like that like he was going to ask yeah. for that but do we think she's in the clear now um mentally no because Alex is not she's very paranoid as well yeah but she's she's better at handling it but she's not a killer and she had to take that man's life like she wasn't banking on that it was when she went back later and smothered him like that was that was such an interesting scene because on the outside you have officer Coates and Bailey talking about women Mm -hmm. and Coates is like oh, I'm having issues with this girl, we're not really communicating, and Billy's like, well, why don't you text her? And Coach's like, well, that's going to be kind of hard. Yeah, you know, she's not hard. necessarily in the position to where I can text her. And it's just yeah. like, red flags? And then on the inside of the shed, you can hear Alex is smothering this guy. Mm-hmm. So um, I, just, I thought that was a really interesting scene, um, personally. No, because I, 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 there's no way I thought that he was still alive and stuff, and there's the way that he was like, drowning in his own blood and just like yeah. barely kind of moving and i was like oh man i don't know if alex is gonna be able to do this and like she's crying and i was like oh you can see herself like talk herself into it though like you know uh laura Prepon does not get her due uh rewards for how good i feel like she is as an actress sometimes because she's very good facially mm-hmm at showing what's going through her head. And she's good at, like, ticks. Like, when uh, she takes her glasses off all the time and, like, puts them out in her hair and things like that. Yeah. And also, her eyebrows were differently done a lot of the time, which I thought was really cool because it shows, like, these women do their hair, their makeup different every day. I don't know. Random thing. But um, I think she's going to be able to handle it. But... She's gonna have to bring. I think that's how her and Piper are gonna reconnect. Oh, see, I hadn't even thought about them coming close to reconnecting. Like that's that... what I was thinking because she she can't handle it, and Piper is the only one who 
knows her enough to be able to tell her that she's a good person. Okay, I mean, I would see that relationship helping Piper a lot more again at this point than it helps Alex. Yeah. At this point, I would agree with you. And so, I don't know, that's interesting. I kind of saw them getting their own love interest. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about them possibly getting back together. Well. I'll have to sit on that. Yeah, we'll have to think about it. And I love how Freda walks in perfectly as they're getting ready to go do the body and everything. Gets the key. Like, she secretly running the prison under Red's nose. Like, she's gaining a lot of quiet power. Well, the thing that's interesting about Frida is that she's an actual criminal. Like, there are a lot of people in the prison. For, like, petty stuff, like, little things. Yeah, but you come to see that Frida's scary. Yes. She is terrifying. She's connected. She's murdered a lot of people. And um, so you're kind of like, how did she get in minimum security anyway? Haven't thought about that. Never crossed my mind. Interesting. Okay. But, you know, they're doing the garden. They've always had the garden. Red's running this. And then, as you said, new player in the game, Judy King. Judy King. She's so interesting. I mean, such a great entrance. You know, she's having a conversation with with our our favorite airheaded, drug smoking, eating guard. Yep. And just sitting here, and the whole time she's here, he's trying to, well, not the whole time, he tries to get in contact with him twice, Caputo, and then just kind of gives up, you know, orders a pizza for him and Judy. Farts in the cookies. Yeah, farts in the cookies. That's such a him thing to do. Uh, But first, he stole like two or three cookies, because clearly, you're not going to waste good cookies. No. Judy King is fun. But, I mean, their conversation was just fascinating. The way they were talking, the things that they were talking about. I was really intrigued by those. Well, the way that they treat Judy King like she's a celebrity male. Yeah. Because she comes in with her boyfriend, and she's talking about her husband, and Luzchek's like, well, isn't he? And she goes, oh, no, this is the boyfriend. And and the guy is, like, totally cool with it, and it's like, do they all know? And And it's so interesting, because Judy King completely owns who she is. Yes. She has no doubts in who she is and she plays it perfectly. Yeah. Like, when you when you see her, like, she's so good. Like, she she, she hardly ever breaks her composure. And, um, in the first three episodes, I think they do a really good job of making you like her, despite the fact that they're giving her a lot of special privileges. I'm not sure if I like her or not. Like, I don't know if I'm seeing her as a manipulator, or just someone who's actually that kind, and that understanding. Like, I almost feel like she's playing a game, like, I don't know if you've watched any reality TV or not, but I feel like she's almost playing Big Brother. Like, she's in there, like, making friends, making sure, like, everyone likes her, doing this and that perfectly, but she has these ulterior motives somewhere down the line. Well, um, I think at that point, I was thinking that as well. I think what made me kind of like her was the whole thing with Pousset, which... Great scene. Pousset and Brooke Hart. 
cute. Little so so. But Pusey is now my favorite character on the show. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and, and I think you know Judy King. She's fun. Like she's not exactly a good character. She's not exactly a bad character. She's just very smart. And she probably doesn't expect to be in there that long. I'm sure she's got a very high-powered lawyer out there who's like, we're going to get you out in a month. May, I don't know. Like, do we feel like she's going to be a main character? I mean, they've introduced her. Like, she's going to be an instant main character. Well, I kind of thought she'd at least be around for a couple of seasons. But we're not sure? Yeah. I don't know. I'd be a little sad to see her go before the season's over, even at the end of the season. You know, I mean, she didn't... Obviously, she's different than... Uh, oh, my God, I'm blanking on... Who's the tattooed girl last season, the Australian? Stella. But her name wasn't Stella. Was it Stella? It was Stella. What's her real name? Rose? Something Rose? Okay, Ruby Rose. Okay, Ruby Rose. yeah, that's why I didn't think her name was Stella. Her name is Stella, and she's yeah. beautiful. But, like, it was sad to see such an interesting character, like, be brought in and then vanquished. So that for them to pull the same trick twice, I don't, I don't know if that would be a good thing to just start doing. I don't like what they did with Stella either, but I understand why they did in a, in a weird way. Because, um, number one, she had to break up Piper and Alex. Yeah. And number two, she had to show that Piper has some sort of backbone, but then this season is immediately taking that away. So... Like, I mean, we, we, can't, we need to be able to progress. And, I mean, we're almost, like we said, we're right back at the beginning of season one with a lot of these characters. Yeah, especially with, uh, for example, Lorna. Just got married, crazy Lorna. Yep. Which, I mean, these scenes are, wow. <laughs> Good old crazy. <laughs> Man, that's about the only way to say it. Oh, God. Like, everyone's just stopping and look at him. The guard's back there, like, okay. Um, is anyone watching me? And just how they were talking and stuff, and, like, how he couldn't talk on the phone or anything. Like, when she's having phone sex with him on the phone. And uh, teardrops, like, wait, phone sex is done? It was oddly gross and really hot. I don't know how I feel about no more of this. Yeah. And, I mean, that's kind of how the entire visitation scene was. It was, like, I, I want to look away, but I can't. And even if I did, I still have this screaming at the top of my speakers coming out at me. It's just, it, it's, it's so funny because that relationship, number one, it's such a sham. Because um, they get married because it's like some kind of prison romance fantasy. And he lives with like his parents and his like kid brother. And um, and they can't even really have sex. Like we have that one scene with them having sex at the end of the last season. Yeah. But she's just, Lorna is so obsessed with having the kind of life she thinks that she should have. And she's so nuts that she'll just kind of over-exaggerate. And convince herself that she's having it. Yeah. And Which she obviously does. continues throughout the season. <laughs> I baked you a cake. Or I made you your favorite meal. Not even though. She just says your favorite meal and lets him describe it. I thought that was hilarious. And, like, all she wants in the world, like, think about their fantasies are her 
you know, making him dinner and him coming home at the end of the day and her being like, how was work and stuff like that. It's like and 1940s, 50s, like old magazines. Yeah, and, and yet the life that she actually lives, you know, when she had her kind of dalliance with Nikki mm-hmm. and uh, she's actually super nuts. And, um, and, and it's just like the person that she actually is, like she's a different kind of crazy that's also very interesting because like Lorna's got a problem but it's not a problem like Lolly, and it's not a problem like Suzanne. Yeah. So you kind of don't think about it, but it's also, it's more serious than just, I'm a crazy girlfriend, and I'm going to make things up in my head, and I'm going to get super jealous. It's like, no. It's, it's, it's stalkerish, obviously, but I mean, like, th- there's an issue to where she doesn't necessarily be in society until that this is cleared and made better, or at least understood. Yeah. It's like, she wants things to be a certain way, so as long as she thinks they are that way and she can tell everyone that they're that way, it's enough. Yeah. But So. So we've got all that, and then... I, I can't really think of anyone else. Maria? Maria. Maria had a very interesting character arc in the second episode can I, can I say that Orange is the New Black has officially written my favorite line yes. in LTV hit us with when it that guy when Maria is having the flashback and she's with her new boyfriend and he says life can get pretty crazy but at least you can have snacks you know that's <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely a solid line and gets us through what one of the better flashbacks, I think. Well, I I'm a little disappointed overall with the flashbacks this season, just because I feel like they're not as they're not consistent. Like we don't have them in the first episode, and we don't have them in the last episode, and uh, they're not as consistent, and they're not as in depth. I feel like hers probably is. No, I, I feel like Maria's is definitely in depth. Yeah, hers is, but then you get the next one later, right after that, with. So-so, where it just shows her kind of being a horrible person. So-so, like, even though like, I've grown to love her and like her so much, she was a terrible person on the outside. Yeah, because she cared more about appearing to be compassionate than actually being compassionate. Yeah, like, what she did to that guy. That, she lie her face off if she gets what she wants. Man, like, that pedophile, or, I mean, I get not even, like, the sex crime guy. No, the... Sex Se- yeah, sex offender. Man, that was... And I feel like that's going to come back and haunt her. Like, I feel like what she said there to is. those people... I think, I think that was just showing how she's changed. Because you remember when she was talking to Judy King, she lied to her and said, oh, you know, Pusey... She didn't lie to her. Addict. She just didn't know. Her and Pusey have never had those conversations. Well, she didn't care to know. But, I mean, she didn't lie. Well... It didn't matter if she didn't care to know that she, her and Pusey were both ignorant because Pusey didn't know anything about uh, Soso's life. Yeah. Like they just literally never talked about any of the deeper things that really mattered. That's true. And like they just and it never dawned on them that they hadn't. I just think that you know it, it's telling that Soso like assumed. Yeah. That Pusey would be. 
you know, the daughter of some crack addict who grew up in a bad part of town and did <laughs> all this stuff, when in reality she was up to go to West Point, her dad's a general, like, she was very well off. Yes, no, and she just had slight anger issues. But I do like them together. I love them together. I mean, they're, I think that they're probably the best couple that's been on the show. And they're tiny. Like, they talk about that all the time over the season because they're both, like, 90-pound women. Oh, so itty-bitty. And I mean, it, I think that it works a lot better for Pusey than having Tasty. Yes, I agree with that as well because then her and Tasty can be the best friends that they're supposed to be. Exactly. And I mean... And, Oh man, I think I think at some point in the season they call them pocket lesbians, and that's <laughs> perfect. Oh, the, the the terms and things that they use in this show are fantastic. But I gotta I gotta talk about the Dominican upbringing. Yeah, I mean, but we get like Maria's flashbacks and stuff, and we get the like you said the massive Dominican uprising. You know, we have her dad leading this group on the outside, sacrificing himself. I'm, I'm putting that in quotation marks over here. Yeah. Because, I mean, he's really just doing it to better himself. But, I mean, he's also giving back to the community monetarily. Like, I mean, he's supporting a lot of people. I think, what okay, what I really, really, really appreciated about episode two is, number one, it shows that there are different Hispanic countries and cultures in the world. Yes. Because, you know, me, I'm Spanish. All the time... You know, I'll start speaking in Spanish, and somebody will say, well, you don't look Mexican. I'm like, well, there's this whole other country <laughs> called Spain. And, you know, in this one, they talk about Puerto Rico, and they talk about Cuba, and they talk about, like, you know, the Dominicans and things like that. And it's like, I so appreciated that they picked a bunch of different countries, because they all, it is like one, it's a big, you know, quilt of latina cultures it's not just like one country so number one let me just get that out of the way very appreciative and i don't know if they are but they at least try to cast people that are these different races they do their best and so i think that that is also a very important and awesome thing that they are doing on the show yeah and maria is so interesting to me because she was not really a character like she just kind of hung out in the general nebulous she was a she was a heavy presence like she's yeah. not a big person or anything, but you always felt her presence when she was on screen. And in this one, it's like she saw violence done to you know the people of her culture, and decided that she felt the same pride that her father felt, and eventually you know starts to take steps towards becoming like her father. Even though in her flashbacks we see that she 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 wants nothing to do with it. Yeah. But I mean, I think that they're giving her this part. Well, obviously, because they're giving her this background, that she's comfortable in kind of uprisings and regimen changes. Like, she's probably the only person in this prison that understands what that is. And, I mean, we have the uh, crazy one that uh, takes over the TV and stuff. Who was that? That was take, that had the phone? Yeah, like, she's the first one to notice it, but she doesn't understand what she's doing with it. We also, um, you should be excited to know that we learn about Flores in this season. She's not just, like, the scary, gross woman anymore. Yeah, which is, I, I don't think that she is just a scary, gross woman. Like, I think she's really scared, in, in a way. And I'm excited to see what her backstory is. Because yeah. I think, I think she's kind of like a turtle. And just kind of used, like, the scary, gross thing as, like, a shell. That's definitely true. 
Um, yeah, you, you know, when you, when you, I, I can agree with that. When you see her later on, uh, it's very interesting because you see her as uh, wh- who she was before, and it's so different. Yeah. And so I'm excited to see, like, the power that... Because, I mean, we already see what power's doing to her. And so it's going to be exciting to see how that grows and changes her. Well, especially since, you know, we we have a lot of racial tension brewing uh, between, you know, this white pride group that's <laughs> basically starting. And, uh, you know, the Dominicans, but the Dominicans, you know, they call them that, but it, it includes a lot of different, you know ethnicities yeah and um you know they have that moment where the two white people push flores down the stairs yeah and then maria is like no we'll get them later because you think she's gonna be like don't fight don't fight and instead she's like no 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 Mm. i'm becoming bad bitch in charge and they go and sneak around and find one of the white girls from that was watching tv and beat her up Oh, bad. Like, I mean, that was that was pretty awful. Yeah. That, that was a beating you see on, like, something like Oz or something. Like, you don't expect that in a female prison. Exactly. And that's, that's another thing that I love about this season overall is that it shows that human nature is something that exists. In all of us. In all of us. And it's not necessarily, like... It's not sex-related. It's just... Yeah. You know, this can happen anywhere, with anyone. And so, it's great to see these qualities. Well, it's not great, but it's good that they're portraying these qualities. Yes, and I think that the writing really stepped it up this season, as I was talking about before. And I I just, I'm so excited for you to see everything else. Because uh, it's, it's a really solid season. Like, I... If I hadn't been so busy, I would have sat and watched all 16 episodes, or 13 episodes in a row. I don't know why I keep thinking it's 16. I wish it was 16. Because it feels like 16. Like, I mean, we squeeze every bit of an hour out of these episodes. Yes. Like, they don't waste any time. And even when you think they're wasting time, even when you think, oh, why am I watching this? This is just people sitting around having a conversation. But those are some of the scenes that I love most in any television. Yeah, me too. Because it shows them as people. Because later on, um, you you see them from the uh, point of view of somebody who's on the outside. Mm-hmm. And you see them how you probably saw them first coming into the show. These are criminals, these are inmates, these are not people. And after you, you've had this season and this series that strives very, very hard to humanize all these women... And not justify what they've done, just show it. Humanize. Humanize, like, exactly. It just, it, it makes people that we don't, and, and it's not just inmates, it's different races, it's different ages. You know, we're trying to get empathy, put it onto these people, so they're still people. Yes. And I just, I, I really enjoy this show, and I'm glad that they've made a comeback, in yeah. my opinion, because a lot of people quit. Uh, season three, and I'm hoping that they'll come back. Uh, I definitely think that they're going to come back. Although I haven't, oddly enough, seen much advertising or pushing of the show outside of Netflix. Well, they don't really, really need to. Um, I mean, you always think that, but I mean, f- 
Fandled. Did you see the Nielsen report? Uh-uh. So, uh, Game of Thrones, on its finale, 10, uh, I think 10.9 million people tuned in to watch it. But, I mean, those things are so skewed because you got HBO Go, HBO Now, so you never know how many people are truly tuning well, I know, in. I know, I know. But I'm just saying, Orange is the New Black was second. Only to Game of Thrones. Yeah, but I mean, so, Walking Dead's not on. They're watching it. I mean, there's not, outside of Game of Thrones, there's not that much going on. And with Netflix, you can watch it at any point in time. Yeah. And so... Well, they, they count it over the first weekend. Yeah. But. You know, but I mean, we don't know if there's just a person watching one episode, binging the whole season. And so, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but... It's just weird when you don't see that much advertising because Game of Thrones still advertises a lot. That's true. You know, I mean, you see it on all channels. You see it on YouTube. It's popping up on YouTube, like, in the commercial breaks. And, like, I'm not really seeing that for Orange. I saw it a lot only because I had a lot of friends who were sharing the trailers. Okay, see, I didn't have a lot of friends showing the trailers, even though I know a lot of people that watch the show. So, I don't know if they're maybe depending too much on their fans to do their sharing for them. Yeah. Which, I mean, that makes sense because, I mean, as Netflix, I don't understand how they're making so many TV shows and originals and stuff because they're just subscription-based. Yeah. And so, I I guess I kind of see that. Netflix is getting really exciting. It is. And I mean, I don't know if that's good or bad <laughs> in the way. Like, I don't know how much longer that money train can keep rolling. Yeah. If it's just like I a mean, constant flow. In the meantime, I would love to send in a resume to Netflix and be like, hey, pick me. <laughs> <laughs> they got a lot of new shows and they're taking a lot of risk. Like, I mean, we have another pod. Like, we do the entire Marvel series on this podcast. That's just Netflix based. And we've thought about doing other Netflix shows, but they're very difficult to do. Yes. And, you know, even to write and stuff, because you're not getting the water cooler talk, which is something that I think podcasts really help out with it. Yes, I agree with you. And I think, like, even when we were coming back to do this uh, podcast, I had to go back and read the plot synopsis for the first three episodes because it all ran together. Yeah, I mean, you watch them and they all, it feels like one big episode. Yeah, which is interesting and fun in its own way, but um, you does kind of beg the question of how are they going to keep interest up? Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's why they're producing so much new content and stuff. Yeah, because, I mean, when... Like, how long do you think it takes to film and write like, a season of Orange is the New Black? Like, a season? Like eight months? Well, they've got a lot of writers on it, so I would probably say six. And I mean, like, people will be done in literally 13 hours. Like, people will just stream all 13 in a row. And then they're done with it for the year. Like, you gotta think about the fact that each episode probably takes two weeks to film. Yeah. So that's, you know, 26 weeks on top of all the writing, on top of everything. And could be and, and could be consumed in literally just 13 straight hours after it's dropped. And this isn't really the kind of show that you want to watch over and over and over again because mm. it's tough. Yeah. 
And, and I mean, it's not something like I haven't, as much as I love the first season, I haven't gone back and watched it. And I probably won't. So. And I probably won't until like years from now when it, when the show's over. Yeah. But, and so like we're, but anyway, to get off of the Netflix talk that we somehow naturally went into, <laughs> uh, one character that I'm kind of wondering where she's at a lot is the Danera or the one Daya. in just, Daya. What like Daya gets We we've kind of lost her and her mom and uh Her mom's name is Aleda. Um you can call her Daya's mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find a different name because obviously I don't have the great accent. I can't roll my tongue as of yet. And so I'm not able to uh, necessarily get all the Dominican or Spanish or Cuban names like I would want to. Although I'm terrible with names anyway, so you know it is what it is. Yeah, especially on this show. This show's tough for names. So many but, characters. Uh, Daya, you know, she's she's worried about her baby and um, going into foster care because you know Cesar <laughs> actually was, got popped. Yeah, and like he's done. And he was an interesting character. Huh? Like, he was an interesting character. With as much, like, name time that he got for, like, maybe 15 minutes of actual screen time. Yeah. He, he's played a big role. Like, he's a very entitled man, but he's also very loyal in his own way. Yeah. And I think what this show's done a really good job of showing us is criminals, that people we consider criminals can still have families, and they can still love each other, and they can still take care of each other, because even though, you know, Cesar had a baby mama on the side... He still cared deeply about Daya's mother and everything. Exactly, and was willing to take care of Daya's... Baby. Illegitimate. Like, in prison. Yeah. And he would have. And I think, you know, um, Aleda, when she cries over Cesar, because she's a very tough character. It was, it was weird seeing her crying. Like, I didn't imagine that she cared that much about him. I know she's always rattling on about him and really, I guess, does love him, but... I think it's not only that. I think it's that she's lost her sense of security. Because what has Aleda done her whole life? She's been some drug dealer's girlfriend. Yeah. And, and a very um, proud, tough mother, because she does still have her son on the outside. Yeah. Who's an interesting character, because he's still very straight and narrow, good, doing good in school, and a tough environment. Are you talking about Gloria? Maybe. I think you're talking about Gloria. I am talking about Gloria. That is yeah. my fault. Okay, they, no. They, they, they run together a lot, those two ladies. So I, well, they're I, best friends, or they seem like they're best friends in the prison and everything. They are. And for some reason, I thought, I was wanting to talk about Gloria, but I knew I was talking about Daya's mother. I'm, I'm not even going to try to pronounce her name. Uh, speaking of Gloria, you know, we can talk about um, Sophia in the shoe. I don't remember and Sophia being in the shoe. Well, you remember she went in the shoe last season. Okay. And um, she and it was because she got in a fight with Gloria, and she didn't really need to be down there. And they're lying to you know Sophia Barset. Yeah. They're lying to her wife about the fact that she's in the shoe. And you know we have that scene where Gloria is talking to her son on the outside, and she goes, "I need you to go talk to Crystal Barset. I need you to tell her son that Sophia's in the shoe." And you'll see more of that 
in the season later, but I think, you know, it bears mentioning that she's she's still in there. Oh, man, that is brutal. Which I have a conversation with just about everybody on, would you rather be in the shoe for a week or a month in general population? A month in general population. And, like, you're one of the first people that has said that. And, I mean, that's absolutely what I think is the correct answer. I mean, I know it's all opinion-based. Go ahead and let us know where you what you would rather have. But uh, I, the shoe or... Uh, what, what's it called? Man. What? The, what the shoe is. I mean, I know there's like... A, solitary. Yeah, solitary. That is so hard. Like, people don't understand what 24 hours of just a bright light by yourself is. I mean, that is the definition of cruel and unusual punishment. Well, that's, that's what's really interesting about Sophia down there. Because Sophia, she's, she's tough. But she's not very mentally tough, I, don't, I feel like. I don't know if there's anyone that's mentally tough enough for solitary confinement. Well, no, and especially because later on, one of the, uh, Caputo comes and talks to her. Mm-hmm. And she's really tough with him. She's like, you know, you need to let me out. This is crazy. And he goes, we'll handle it later. And she's, she's really sassy and tough. Yeah. And then as soon as he turns to leave, she goes, wait, is it raining outside? Is it, what day is it? I you mean, know, and she asks him these really simple questions. Questions, and you think about, oh God, she doesn't know if it's day or night. You don't know she anything. Window, she doesn't know anything. And I mean, the lights are on at all times. I mean, we see what it does to uh, who? Who's the track star? Jenny. Jenny. Yeah, but I mean, we. I don't remember her name. Jenny. I don't think it's Jenny. I know it's Jenny or Jenny. I think it's Jenny. <laughs> But, I mean, we, we saw what it did to her, like, every time when she was, because she's been in twice, and she stayed in for a long time, and she was a lot more passive and super angry, so angry, and rightfully so. Yeah. And, so, I'm... She kind of takes a backseat this season. Which, she I mean, has her moments, but it's not really about her like it has been before. Well, she, it's never really been about her. Like, I mean, well, she... She's kind of been, I guess, one of the mid-sub-characters. Uh, like, she's kind of always been in there, but rarely has it been her plot. Like, I know we've gotten her backstory and stuff, but even then, it never really felt like we were solely focusing on her. Yeah. But Thank you. As far as that, I can't really think of anything else that we've missed in the first three episodes. Oh, there's so much, but... I think we've done a pretty solid job <laughs> covering <laughs> the main plot points and everything. But I mean, yeah. if, if we miss something, you know, let us know. We'll definitely talk about it in the next one. Uh, if you like the format that we did, go ahead and let us know. If you want us to switch it up, do uh, more episode by episode, or like don't skip ahead with just going full flow with one plot point like we did. And uh, give us a little bit of feedback. You can reach us at the email, uh, bleedtvpodcast at gmail.com. We have the Facebook page and the Twitter page, also bleedtvpodcast. And give us some comments and stuff. We'd love to give you all a bunch of shout-outs. We're really excited to do this show and a whole bunch of other shows. You know, keep sending us feedback. We love talking to you all and getting new ideas. And I think that's about it. Yeah. Welcome to Bleed TV. I'm Cash. I'm Larissa, and thanks for having me. Great to have you and excited to see where we go. Don't talk to me. Lose it, leave me.
totally Like, totally.